Welcome to This Week in California Education, brought to you by EdSource Radio. I'm Lewis Friedberg. And I'm John Fensterwald. It's Governor Jerry Brown's last week in office, bringing to close a major era of reform in California education. There's no way to prove this, of course, but there's a strong view amongst education leaders that more reforms were implemented over the past eight years than in any other comparable period in California history. John and I were fortunate to catch up with the governor on Friday in his office at the state capitol. This was the last interview that Brown conducted in the governor's office before moving out. On a recording of our interview, you'll hear some background noise as staff was packing up and making room for incoming governor Gavin Newsom's new staff, as well as the governor rapping on the table to emphasize his points. We talked with Governor Brown to get his thoughts on a range of issues, including his views on data, charter schools, the local control funding formula, and so on. And he continued to come back to a point that he's emphasized since his first day in office, that the heart of education is the relationship between teachers and students behind closed doors in a classroom, and that government shouldn't interfere with that relationship. This week, I did write about Governor Brown's legacy to education in California, although that's a word he hates using, so we didn't use it in the interview. So you can read about this on our website at edsource.org, as well as the views of a number of education leaders in the state. I asked Governor Brown what he sees as his major contribution to California education. The funding through the Proposition 30, reduction of categorical programs, the channeling of money to localities with a broader mandate, but emphasizing lower income and families that don't have English as their first language, foster care kids. And the emphasis on the teacher, as opposed to the central control that the Obama administration strive for, and which is the ever-present tendency here in the state capital. People have taken this corporate notion that if you want anything, you've got to measure it. And that uh, has a truth to it. But when you're talking about human relationships, there's different um, factors at play. And so I think the emphasis on the teacher and the living role that that encounter in the classroom exemplifies is critical, as opposed to this obsession with more and more metrics collected over more and more years to attempt to shape policy, but which in many cases, do not. We talked with a number of people around the state, many of whom you know, asked them what they thought your greatest contribution was. And the unanimous view was local control funding formula, which addressed some of the issues. How does that strike you? Yeah, that's the mechanic, is the local funding formula. But the philosophy is in the spirit of Martin Buber, that life is meeting. Students meet the teacher in the classroom, which is something profoundly different a different domain than metrics and algorithms, which are the playthings of distant academics and um, central politicians. Many alleged over the years that somehow you are opposed to data. You know, there was a feeling that we need to connect preschool, K-12, higher ed, and we can't really do that yet in the state, tracking kids all the way through. Where do we want to start? At birth, I guess get the profile on the computer, and then make them follow them for the rest of their lives. They're doing this in China in some of the provinces. I think there's a eugenics, totalitarian aspect. Yes, some data, but not all data. Not data uber alles. I I think that is a a Leninist concept at heart. 
and I, I'm going to have to stand against the drift here and say that now let us go back to Matthew Arnold or something, figure out what is, you know, beauty and truth and friendship and mentoring. These are all real things. Now we all, okay, we're giving you all that money, so show me your results. That plays a role, but I think there's kind of a childlike faith that if we just measure kids like, like stock prices, that, that will make the value go up. And I, and I am skeptical. One of the questions in talking about the importance of a chemistry and a teacher and kids is how do you get the best teachers into the schools with the highest needs? And right now, it seems, at least the statistics data show that younger, more inexperienced teachers tend to be in those schools with the highest needs. And I, I get a sense that was the intent of the formula, yeah. perhaps, not that it would shift that, but how do you do that because it's unclear whether that is happening and ultimately that may be the most important thing that we can do. Many people would prefer to go to Whole Foods than 7-Eleven because people are looking for the highest quality, the richest uh, opportunity. And people who uh, are deprived of resources, who are under financial stress, who live in what they call the secondary labor market, uh, uncertainty, lack of security, uh, that creates its own pathologies. And therefore, a lot of teachers would like to be in an easier environment. It's not that easy. If you're going to have all high needs, we, that's kind of a euphemism there, but you've got a lot of trouble. If you look at in some of these urban districts, you're using the old data, a third, sometimes 40% of schools are below or far below basic. Well, obviously, if you can go to a school with proficient and advanced that probably is more rewarding to many teachers. Or even if they want to try to be almost missionaries, they do get burned out. So it, it's a, more money, good principles. I mean, that, that's the challenge. How do you, you this is inherent uh, in the inequality of modern capitalism. The last 50 years, the winners are getting bigger rewards and the losers are getting more punishment. You've been a major supporter of charter schools. You helped start two charter schools. Yeah, and I, I understand too. you were quite involved with them during your governorship, and I assume you will continue to be yeah. involved. Uh, a lot of pressures right now to put a pause, a lot of must have seen this, pause, moratorium, put some kind of cap on expansion. Your successor is saying yeah. there needs to be more accountability, more transparency. And I think you've been viewed as a protector of charter schools, as is, I mean, every preceding governor has been very supportive of charter schools. Do you think there needs to be some rethinking around the growth as well as the transparency and accountability issues that have been raised? I don't think charter schools are a magic bullet. For the most part, if you're dealing with lower-income families from circumstances that are not secure, they will not do as well as people who come from the other side of the tracks with more money, more opportunity, more books, more verbalization, more trips, and all the rest of it. Now, some charter schools said, we think uh, we can do a better job, and they fight, the unions fight with the charter schools, and now it's becoming even more intense. I think the charter schools do allow, in the, my case, I started the charter schools. It wasn't an organization. It wasn't even families. It was my idea. I said, okay, I'm going to start a military school. I think it'd be good for Oakland. I said, well, if I got a military school, I better do something more liberal. So I'll start an art school. And they're very different. And I've had to raise millions and millions of dollars. Because I think charter schools are challenging, I've resisted more onerous rules. 
that quite frankly are designed to reduce charter schools in the guise of making them more accountable. So I, I've been skeptical of that because I wanted to have the best chance of providing a good education in the two schools that I've started. Now what this all means in places, LA, Oakland, where there's so many charter schools and they don't have enough funds, I think it's a troublesome problem, but the charter it'd be nice if the charters could be part of the public schools and they would allow the same flexibility. But there's an effort to revert to the mean here and all the regulations that charter schools were meant to avoid are now coming back in the back door, the front door, because people say, well, it isn't fair. Well, that's why a lot of parents like charter schools. So I think it's a battle that will continue. You mentioned Oakland. I mean, this is I'm, a good I'm example. Yeah. There's this yeah. tipping point, that concept. At some point, when you have too many charter schools, that really impacts the finances of the district. Well, is it so just about finances? I mean, it's also about different control. And quite frankly, charter schools are a response to the poor performance of elected school boards, the politicalization, the one-sidedness. I mean, even when I went to uh, appear before the Oakland School Board, I'm giving you my personal experience. I personally presented the petition for the Oakland Military Institute. I was there, and the school board said, no, we're not going to have a military school in Oakland. I was mayor. mayor. And they said having a military school in Oakland would be like having a Reagan library in Berkeley. It was purely ideological. And um, the art school uh, later won more votes, so it, it was approved. But I had to go to the county, and they unanimously rejected the charter school, even though it was really unlawful. They had no basis. And we went to the state board, and it was unanimously approved. And Gray Davis stood next to me as I sought the approval of the board, and I think Don Fisher and Reed Hastings were on the board. And I think they're a good... If we had more school boards with guys like Don Fisher and Reed Hastings, people wouldn't even need charter schools. They'd be flocking to the public schools. From the little, my limited perspective, they run you through the ringer when you try to get your charter renewed. And then you got accreditation, and that, that team comes over. You know, there's a lot of accountability here, trying to hold them accountable. At the end of the day, it's the teacher in the classroom. It's hard to find good teachers, good English teachers, good math teachers, good language teachers. So. Educating young people is a challenge whatever way you cut it. If people want to start charter schools and they've got the funds and they're motivated, I think they should be encouraged. And I certainly think that you should be able to uh, appeal. Now, at the same time, I've worked with the unions, and I agree with them. They were with me on Prop 30. They were with me against Arnie Duncan's race to the top. This is a complex issue here, and I'm trying to thread the needle of working with teachers' unions, which I think have been very important, and which represents the, the feelings of teachers and their experience. On the other hand, the goad and the challenge from the charters, I think, can be healthy. Maybe the answer is they need more money, and people wouldn't be fighting so much. Thinking back on your eight years, 16 years as, as governor, anything that you feel you did not accomplish in terms of education, where you would really feel you wish you had made more progress or focused on? Education succumbs to waves of innovation, and in some respects, fads. It's one wave after another. So I am sure the wave that I've caught will be different from the wave that the next governor and the governor after him. It's not that you didn't do certain things, it's that certain things were not front and center, and they will be. And you do one thing, and then you see there's still issues to be held. So I'd say the local control funding was a major milestone. It could not have happened without the uh, strong support 
of uh, CTA, and I think uh, CFT uh, was also helpful. So there's not one, there's no white hat here. There are many good people struggling. Some of them are in charter schools, but the big, vast work, the CTA and the CFT are very much involved in that. So this is what it takes. you got to work with all sides and try to find the balance, and I, I think uh, Gavin Newsom is probably going to do that. You mentioned waves, though. You've put in place a number of reforms, and really the potential is not, we don't know, actually, if it's really going to work. So What is working? Working in terms of... Working is the lion lays down with the lamb. And more, no more. Uh, But control that that actually teachers and parents would rise to the challenge that you gave them to replace Sacramento and Washington and sort of making decisions that affect their kids' lives. That's sort of the the challenge that we don't know quite yet whether it will work, right? We don't know whether democracy works. Uh, Letting people actually decide. I think I heard you say parents and their kids and teachers. That's kind of what it's all about. Now, if we're not happy with that, then we think the answer is to come to Sacramento and write a bill and then tell everybody what to do. But when you tell them what to do, your only means of communication is a law, a regulation, or an email. Uh, whereas the fact, and the one I keep emphasizing, when the door shuts, it's the teacher and uh, the students, and of course the materials. Like life itself, it's not perfect. And I would say we've made progress, but we haven't made all the progress We've left some for Newsom and the next legislature. That was Jerry Brown in what may have been one of his last interviews he did with the media before stepping down as governor of California. It really does feel like an end of an era, at least as far as education reform goes. I know Jerry Brown has talked about doing more work on climate change and other issues, but uh, he hasn't staked out education as an issue that he will stay involved in, although he has stayed involved with the two charter schools in Oakland that he helped found, and I imagine he will still be involved going forward. Well, the governor says he'll be keeping watch, and that's partly to make sure that the surplus he leaves doesn't disappear the first year, but I think that applies to education as well. You know, Gavin Newsom says he's committed to the funding formula and local control, but that will only work, Lewis, if the legislature permits it. And, you know, equity, which has been the guiding principle of the funding formula, that will only work if the legislature keeps track to make sure that uh, funding is used as it was intended under the formula that Jerry Brown championed. The thing is, we don't really know as we sit here today, is this really going to work? I think it has to work because... Jerry Brown went to the voters, he asked for extra money, he went to the legislature, reformed the school finance system. Many school districts got large amounts of extra funds, and uh, it has to work because it's going to be tough to go back to the voters again and say, we need more money or that didn't work, let's try something else. Yeah, it has to work in a way because then, you know, what is the alternative to that? But Brown, you know, Brown was a real pragmatist. Brown got a tax increase through at a time when it was really important. Otherwise, schools would have been desperately in harm's way. But it just got many districts back to where they were before the recession. And and again, Brown was a pragmatist, and that's what he did. But we now realize that there are a lot of pressures, financial pressures on schools through the pension increase and, and health care. And so they do need more revenue to make the funding formula work. But that's going to be Gavin Newsom's challenge. And just on a personal note, I, I just feel it's been a privilege to have witnessed these changes to have watched the governor kind of at the top of his game, 
and to have taken on education and made it such a central part of his agenda. And we'll just have to see what happens. And those of us at EdSource will be tracking this very closely. And uh, as has been our mantra throughout, we want to look at what's working and what's not working. And everyone involved with education reform has to be brutally honest to look at what isn't working. And if it's not working, to try to fix it, to make whatever changes need to be made at the state level and at the local level. Absolutely agree. And that just about wraps it up for this week in California education. Thanks to our sponsor, the S.D. Bechtel Jr. Foundation and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Our producer is Shuka Kalantari. Our music is from Nate Schwartz Jazz Orchestra. If you like what you hear, write us a review on iTunes. I'm Lewis Friedberg. And I'm John Fensterwald. And we'll be back next week with a report on the new governor and some of the changes that are coming up next week. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.